Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion once again. We're so glad you could join us. And the subject today is mortals and immortals. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 62 of Divinity Course and General Collectanea. Study the Bible constantly, daily, and dear one, pray. Ask the divine love every day to give you all that this Lord's Prayer inculcates. Go alone by yourself one half hour every morning and ask God good, thy kingdom come. Ask to establish the reign of honesty, peace and purity in your consciousness and to overthrow and cast out all that is unlike Christ. Love. Ask to forgive those that wrong you, even as God forgives you, and see how this must be for you to reflect God. Ask for deliverance from temptation. Ask for patience, meekness, peace, and so may the grace of God be with you. May the divine light of Christian science, which lighted every enlightened thought, illumine my faith and understanding, exclude all darkness and doubt, signal the perfect faith wherein to walk, the perfect principle whereby to demonstrate the perfect man and perfect law of God. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful, thank you. And the watching point. Watch number 107. Watch lest you permit a human estimate or attitude to blind you to the true and divine significance of your human experiences. This is an important point, since it is your attitude towards anything that determines how it will affect your progress. Jesus says in Matthew 10:22, quote, "He that shall endure to the end shall be saved." End quote. What would be the value of a consciousness of God and an understanding of Christian science that had not been toughened and strengthened so that it could endure to the end? When one has the right attitude toward human persecution and affliction. He will never be ashamed of his problems, nor will he personalize the channels through which such experiences come to him. Rather, will he rejoice at whatever plunges him into a hot or cold experience. He will perceive that it is love's plan and truth's way of training him to endure. The gist of the master's statement is that if one desires to establish himself in the character of the Christ, which means holding steadfastly to the realization of one's spiritual identity until the claim of material selfhood is silenced, he must suffer the effects of persecution and affliction in order to develop his receptive and retentive qualities, which will enable him to receive and maintain the eternal good. The most deadly thing, as far, as far as spiritual growth is concerned, is the harmonious state of mortal belief, which sees no clouds on the horizon to mar the mesmerism or to startle mortal man out of his mortal dream. What will stir one to mental activity unless something jars him, unless some phase of error shakes him? Certainly a false peace, serenity, or security in matter must be broken. Mortal man must be shaken out of his complacence. Otherwise, he will never make an effort sufficient to throw off mortality or to accomplish anything 
along anything constructive along spiritual lines. The effort necessary to change one's thinking from the human to the divine status requires something more than a feeble desire. It requires something drastic to cause him to cry out, Lord, save or I perish. Thank you. All right, comments on that. Barbara, I had a fall recently, and that sure sounds like it. <laughs> Shook me up pretty got me praying more more consistently. It's usually what happens, yes. <laughs> Hear me? Seems like a thorough explanation of what it means to demand the blessing why we have to do it. So. Yes. There was a mention there about how important your attitude is on things. And then went on to say, you will not be ashamed of your problems. Mm -hmm. Shame is a terrible weapon that the devil uses. It tries to find a fault, fix it on you, and then get you to be ashamed of it. And thereby, you lower your resistance to evil. You reduce your fight for good because of your shame. And it's just simply a tactic for the devil to try to get its way. Thank you. Shame, shame shows that you have personalized it. You have personalized it. You've personalized wherever the problem came from. You've personalized that it, you know, that it, it, it hit you and that it was a personal thing that hit you. That this is why it mentions in this watching point about seeing it impersonally. Seeing what lesson is God trying to teach you in this. And don't bring it to yourself and make it a personal problem that you're ashamed of. That's because it's really on the same coin that pride is on. It's just the other side of the coin. Yeah, this, uh, go ahead, Florence. Well, the, if there's something in you, it's always reacting to the, the lie that comes. But if you're steady in obeying God's laws, knowing that only He is, only He rules, only He governs, then when, the, well, as we have said before, the counterfeit <clears throat> is coming, you already know. And how else are we going to be tested and to stand? To prove that yes, we are with God. We know that we know who we are. We know that we are with Him. It's when things come up. I hear sometimes people feel like, oh, because I'm a Christian scientist, I shouldn't have any problems. But I mean, how else are you going to prove that yes, you do really obey God? He is all in all. And here I stand. So that's how I feel, like things do come, yes, but it's for us so that we get toughened and we, we get really straight with our view of who we are and what God is to us. Thank you. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because if we don't have problems, it's it's really a sign that we're fast asleep and, and the devil leaves us alone when we're of no threat to him. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, how how could a mathematician become a mathematician if he doesn't solve problems? <laughs> right? Yeah. But it gets back to the importance of when a problem comes up, it's never a personal problem. It's like when good comes. Good is never personal. Well, evil is never never personal. This is Eddie says, it's never person, place, or thing. But when a challenge comes, if you say, okay, God, what, what is the blessing in this for me? You'll get it. 
Yeah, it's a it's a very important watching point. It also we give our past to God, we know, but you know, when viewing your past, do you see it as this yes personal problem? I had this just horrible husband. He was horrible. I went through a nasty divorce and it oh my gosh, it hardly made it through it. Ugh. Or do you see it with a different attitude that there were things here that perhaps I needed to learn as difficult as it was, as hard as it was. I came out on the other side. I learned a lot about myself. I've learned I'm a much stronger person and that I have good sense of who and what I am. It's all how you view it. And it's so important that you view it correctly. Otherwise, you're going to carry this heavy load of horrible history with you wherever you go. And instead, you don't have to. I know in this church, and you've heard many things, huge amount of good went on. But there was also some extremely difficult times. Um, and many people left because of that. And honestly, it was only because of this, what this watching point explains, how I was able to endure it by impersonalizing what went on and seeing this was for my growth. I, I was learning lessons that I never would have learned otherwise. I was learning how to get through, as, as it talks about here, through persecution, um, and and endure, endure. And at the time, I wondered what in the heck, and why was why was I doing this? And people wondered why the heck that I was still here. <laughs> but this explains it so beautifully. And in looking back on this situation, only the only things that I remember. Are, are all the good that I learned and how God was teaching me so many lessons and I've totally impersonalized it. Otherwise it couldn't exist. And, and it's so freeing to do this because this was, this past experience of mine was like, you know, not even a few, six weeks of boot camp. It was years of boot camp. And I'm telling you, if anyone had asked me, would you want to go to boot camp? My answer would be no. <laughs> I do not want to go to boot camp. So what the heck was I doing here in the middle of it for all these years? But I learned so many lessons in impersonalizing it. And it does teach you to endure. And then you get better at it. And you realize when Era is talking to you and you might be having a pity party about what you think has happened or not, rather than accepting it as something you need to learn and you need to bow, put your head down, I say, head down in humility, shields up, let the darts deflected, but you keep going. So what is your past and how do you view it and have you impersonalized it? And if you haven't, you need to, because otherwise you are carrying unnecessary burdens with you. In that story of Pilgrim Progress that we watched recently, you know, he had he had this sack on his back, all these burdens. Finally, he was able to drop it and give it up and see things as they truly are. Go ahead. Someone else wanted to speak. Yeah, um, I think the the Im learning to impersonalize it that that's the real trick there because there's. There is something about the culture of Christian science, that mainstream movement that programs you so differently. And I, I thought I had kind of seen through a lot of that, but recently I had an experience where I, uh, you know, had got, had gotten sick and I had, um, I had seen some things that were going on and I, you know, was like, quote unquote, you know, handling the thought and handling this, handling that and the, that and the other. And it didn't, at the end, it didn't seem to really matter. I still ended up getting sick and everyone was talking about it, you know, people getting sick. And I found myself wanting to be like frustrated or like angry a little bit, like, like I had done my work. Why, you know, and it was it was very challenging. Then I read the watch. <clears throat> I felt like the watch had been written just for me. Um, and in that moment, you know that where it says you have to kind of be grateful for whatever plunges you into that hot or cold experience. If you think about that, it's a it's a jarring experience. You know, it's not like something real subtle has happened. That's a it's like something that shocks you. 
you know. I probably need to spend more time trying to write it up, but um, there's something profound about learning to impersonalize it because there's something weird about the culture that you, you want to question, like, why is this happening? Because I, I've done this or I did that or I thought this. Thank you. Yep. Yes. That's why we are so grateful not to be part of that culture. <laughs> thank God. I thank God for the the incredibly hot experience that I was put in that brought me here. And I'm not going to go into that now, but thank God for it. But mm -hmm. wow. I, yeah. Well, it, and it does. Those hot tea. It, it is just that it says at the end. Lord, save her, I perish. And that's how I felt a good part of my former life. Save her, I perish. And that is the best way to, to, to be, really, rather than asleep in all the so-called human comforts of materiality. You're on your, you're you're on your knees. And that forces you to God. You know, sometimes pain, pain, um, will force you to God. You can consider every time you feel a pain, it, it's a reminder that your life is not in matter, but is in spirit. And you keep doing that till you no longer need to be reminded of it. You know it. You know it to be true. Take everything that comes to you as a, as an opportunity to get closer to God. Um, and, and all of these so-called, well, false, landmarks will will disappear as the ending of this lesson says diminishes until they finally disappear as you are expressing more and more of unselfishness goodness mercy justice love goodness the kingdom of heaven reign within us until sin disease and death diminish until they finally disappear this lesson you know, is my favorite you know. Favorite passages. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, when you come out of the hot or cold, you know, experience, you can look back on it and see, but, you know, in, in Florence, it's just mentioned it earlier, you know, you can't, you really can't react to it in, in a way. Like, like, so I sometimes I have the, the tendency to react, um, <clears throat> and you, you really can't because you're kind of missing the opportunity to get to work. <clears throat> because it feels personal, right? I mean, it's happening. It, seems, it feels like it's happening to you. So yeah. that's 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 the real trick in all this is that there is true spiritual growth by you know learning and, and and straining you know to to remain steadfast under the the intense pressure or pain or whatever it is. Yeah, because that's the devil trying to persuade you that you are separate from God. May I say something? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, also, though, don't you feel that knowing that it's impersonal makes it so much easier in a way to stand up to it? Oh, it's the only part of me. Yeah, it's the only way you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's why it has to be done. Otherwise, you claim it as yours, and you're in the middle of it all. Mm -hmm. So you're separated. Got you. Yeah, it's got you, and it isn't easy. As Tony says, it. it we oh, were taught it's tailor made. You. Yeah, tailor made. It's your problem. It's your circumstances. Mm -hmm. And you've got to step back and say, No, what? Am, what can I learn through this experience? What is? What am I being taught here? What? What more of? unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, what more of those qualities do I need to express to get through this? Um, and it will come, and you will grow, and you will endure to the end, but never give up. And uh, it, it's also in the lesson about fighting, um, fight the good fight. Jeremy? Mm -hmm. I think it's only you going through it. Yeah. I think that's something that's helpful. <laughs> Very helpful. I remember when my... my my daughter was young, her crying one time in a restaurant, and somebody says, like, everybody goes through that. And that was so helpful, you know. Yeah, right, I and know. the same thing. <laughs> Other people have to go through this stuff. It's not just you. 
You're not being singled out. Yeah. <laughs> so. I like the key talk. Uh, sorry. I like the thoughts too that, um, one is really saying, I think one of our hymns says it, treading the temptations down as you use these, um, false beliefs that come or the, the jarring <laughs> self-testimonies that come as steps to go closer to God. So each one really moves you farther or gives you a higher step to step on to go closer to, to be closer to God in thought. Thank you. Yes. And remember, treading each temptation down, reaching for a higher crown. And remember, these things that come, they're always temptations. Okay, Mary, are you going to believe there's a power other than God? Are you going to fall down before this temptation, even though you seem to feel it, hear it, surrounding you, it seems so real? Are you going to fall into it? Or are you going to stand clear of it and know that's what it is, a temptation? I will not bow down to this. God is the only power. And sometimes it takes a mighty struggle, but you will get there if you stand firm. Firm in the fight. I stand <laughs> to sing hymns all, all hour. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my. Well, and, and, and just to finish, this is what true humility is all about. Yeah. Really. I want to mention briefly, it was said at the um, Wednesday night, our Bible study. We are not having one in November. It just seemed like, my gosh, we're already only two Saturdays left. So we'll have just one December 16th. And um, Tom, I, I believe it's going to be on the on the nativity. So it should be a very holy time. And we hope that you all can join us on December 16th for our Bible study. All right, Jeremy, would you read the subject, Mortals and Immortals? Would you read the golden text? Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Thank you. Now that is, again, one of my very favorites, that keep yourself in the love of God something that Mrs. Evans often ended her phone conversations with. And I, I've done it as well because it meant so much to me to think about what that means to keep yourself in the love of God. Um, to me, it goes hand in hand with um, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have a choice. Are we going to remain in, in God's home and keep ourselves in the love of God? Or are we going to venture out and get all wrapped up in all the disturbing events of the day? And as I've said, every generation has their own set of disturbing events. <laughs> so it's gone on. It goes on. It'll continue probably to go on. But different ways to waste your substance with riotous living. <laughs> exactly. Yes. But it is so important. And, and this, in this, we are claiming our immortality. Because remember, there's not mortals and immortals. There's not this human self of you personality. I mean, there seems to be. But no, you're the one immortal, individual child of God who was never touched by anything mortal. We must claim that and know it, our image and likeness of that. We are all image and likeness of God. So, so think about that. Are you staying in the love of God? Are you getting revved up and upset about or resentful or I hate all these horrible people, whoever they are, fighting these wars, whatever it is? <laughs> uh, are you getting involved in that? Uh, no, no, no. The malicious element in it and they're would seem to be a malicious element anywhere there's any error, will go to a lake of fire in a night without a star. But the people, all of them, are God's children. And we have to see that and declare that and pray for everyone, again, impersonally, impersonally. Um, Nancy Bouchon, and it's on our website, she wrote a really good... Um, article a while ago called How to Save the World. And 
In the, she quotes in the first paragraph, Mary Baker Eddy made a rather bold statement to Martha Bogue, one of her early workers. She stated, the truth that is that God is all in all and that there is no evil held faithfully by Christian scientists will save the world and it is all that will save it. So remember that. Don't don't get don't leave the father's house. Keep yourself in the love of God. Continue knowing God is all in all. It was what our watch was about last night. And I'm I want to have more watches like that where we just have statements from watches, prayers, and arguments, absolute statements or things to work with that you get your teeth in. Because here it's saying if we're all work together in unity, that is what will end these problems, knowing this truth, even though to our physical senses, it seems impossible, not happening. It is happening. We can bring it to pass, and we must. It's our duty. So, Because it's the only thing that will save the world. It's the only thing, our knowing it. That doesn't mean we're, you know, high in the sky and don't see the era and handle the era specifically. But, oh, everything's fine. That's all good. No. We are more aware of the danger. We are more aware. Mrs. Eddy says to do a good watch. We must be aware of this danger. But we bring it back to this truth and hold to it steadfastly. Hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true. And you will bring these into your experience proportionably to the occupancy of your thought. Another one of my favorite quotes in the lesson. All right? You bring it to yourself. And we'll bring it to the world, to our neighbors, to everyone, holding thought steadfastly. All right, now, Carrie sent me this beautiful testimony I'm going to read you because it, it's a, a, it is an example of keeping yourself in the love of God. And it's called Holidays in Home by a Mary Smith in a 1911 Sentinel. At the Christmas season, I'm reminded of an experience which came to me some two years ago. Christmas morning had dawned cold and stormy, with a heavy rain falling. A keen sense of loneliness depressed me as I went about my morning tasks, for I was thinking of the dear ones who had gathered at the old homestead 2,000 miles away in honor of the day and longed to be with them. With a heavy heart, I took up signs and health, opening it to the chapter called the Apocalypse. As I read, a sense of peace and quietness began to steal over me. The description of the holy city had never before seemed so beautiful, and the last sentence of the 23rd Psalm, which closes this wonderful chapter. I will dwell in the house, the consciousness of love, forever. Brought me to a complete overcoming of the above-described condition. Surely to dwell in the consciousness of love is indeed to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and to continue in this consciousness is to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then it suddenly dawned upon me that this consciousness is home, the only real permanent home I could ever have, and that I could not be separated from it. Era immediately argued that this realization did not bring me any nearer my own kinsfolk, but the thought that this spiritual holy habitation has no boundary or no limit, it's also science and health, that it was for them and for all mankind. But this argument, put this argument to silence. Being very happy in this new understanding of home, I thought for a moment that I would rather stay in my own room than go out and dine with a friend who had so kindly invited me to her home. But on second thought, I decided to go, feeling sure I could not be separated from the joy of knowing I had found a new home, or rather, a home I could take with me. During the afternoon, I overheard my friend and hostess say to her mother, I invited Miss Smith to spend the day with us because I was afraid she would be lonely, living all alone as she does, and so far from her own people. But really, she is the most joyous individual I have ever known. I wonder what makes her so happy. Certainly, I was glad to know I had been able to keep my new sense of home with me throughout the day, 
Now Christmas means more to me because its real significance as the appearing of the Christ idea to human consciousness has become clearly understood. And I am more grateful than ever for our textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, which is showing us how to follow the Master's teaching. I thought that was so beautiful. Um, and, you know, our hearts do go out to everyone at this time who might be feeling lonely or whatever, but this is the truth that heals it. We live in the consciousness of God. We stay in that love. And this is how we prove it. This is how we can know that um, keeping ourselves in the love of God, wherever we go, we take it with us. It's wonderful. And I thought, too, there were so many examples in the readings Wednesday night um, about keeping yourself in the love of God. One, divine love is our hope, strength, and shield. We have nothing to fear when love is at the helm of thought, but everything to enjoy on earth and in heaven. There we are. And we are expressing our immortality when we do this. And and isn't it wonderful? Here this woman who could have gone and sat, and I've seen it happen. You know, you invite someone for dinner and <clears throat> they're miserable about something. And they just sit there and look miserable the whole time. <laughs> it's very, well, I know it's it's a good time to correct your thought about that person. Um, but and no, they can have the right to express this love and and joy, and and we take it with us wherever we are. And then the other, I mean, this is about sleeping, um, and retrospection and introspection. Christian science declares that sickness is a belief, a latent fear made manifest on the body in different forms of fear or disease. This form is, this fear is formed unconsciously in the silent thought is when you awaken from sleep and feel ill, experiencing the effect of a fear whose existence you do not realize. But if you fall asleep, actually conscious of the truth of Christian science, namely, that man's harmony is no more to be invaded than the rhythm of the universe. You can not awake in fear or suffering of any sort. <clears throat> this is important to know before you go to sleep, keeping yourself in the love of God. And also to know that um, whether or asleep or when awake, mental malpractice cannot harm you. That's abiding in, in God's law. Keeping in the law of God, not in human law, but keeping in God's law. And isn't it wonderful to dwell in the Father's house? It's a wonderful right. place to be. It's so beautiful and happy. And we can include everyone in it. And then <clears throat> the other thing, <clears throat> rudimental divine science. Disease is a thing of thought manifested on the body, and, and fear is the procurator of the thought which causes sickness and suffering. Remove this fear by the true sense that God is love and that love punishes nothing but sin and the patient can then look up to the loving God and know that he afflicteth not willingly the children of men who are punished because of disobedience to a spiritual law. His law of truth, when obeyed, removes every erroneous physical and mental state. The dominion is within you. And I love that, looking up at the loving God, loving face of God. So keep yourself in the love of God. It's a wonderful place to be. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell, live in the house of God forever. The consciousness of him. Now, also in the lesson, in the responsive reading, we have this beautiful 23rd Psalm, which we've talked about many times, but it's constantly unfolding. And I will remind you of, um, I believe his name is Charles Allen. He wrote a, a little book on this actually but he he said if you're having trouble with um anxiety fear sickness 
He says, take this 23rd Psalm as a treatment for 20, no, for seven days. Go over it seven times during the day. And it will do wonders for you. And seven times throughout the day. And not just say it, but think about it. What does it mean? It answers everything. Everything. It's such a complete treatment. I love, let's see if I can find it. It was um, something that was, oh, yeah. Hang on. Um, it said, Mark Twain is believed to have said, I'd have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. <laughs> it can be harder at times to say something in a few words than in many words. Psalm 23 is beautifully craft, a beautifully crafted piece that says so much in only 118 words and six verses. It is well worth repeating, memorizing, pray, praying. It is one of the most well-known passages in the scripture, second only to the Lord's Prayer. And you know that Mark Twain quote, that is so true. People who take a long time and talk and talk and talk. And say very little. And say very little. And that's true in writing. It's much better to be concise. We had a rule here in writing for the Liberator. You could only use how many words, Carol? 300. 300. Mm -hmm. And when you send us anything too long, Carol butchers it. <laughs> Not butchers it. She lovingly edits it, edits it to make it concise. I mark Twain it. And what you mark Twain it, yes. It'll be a good quote for the calendar. We can all do better in being concise. And this this psalm is certainly concise. Because um, the ability to be concise means you really understand Exactly. Yes. You really understand it. Otherwise, you're just going on and on. Um, and another book we've talked about, too, it's by Philip Keller. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and it's most beautiful. Um, I The first time I read this, and it was Bob in Colorado who sent it to me, I, I was just so blown away by it, how a shepherd takes care of his sheep and how it directly relates to God taking care of us. And so if you can, if you can get it, do. Um, and it's in the right voice, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And all the, all the different lessons each verse gives us. And Stacy sent something she wrote about, um, only a shepherd or one sensitive to sheep with their wool needing protection will get the significance of the need to lay down in green pastures as opposed to one filled with dead and dry weeds or cockle bushes and such. And a sheep will not drink from a rushing river for it is too vulnerable to being pulled into the water where its wool would cause it to seek and, and drown. So that's what some of the reasons why to lie down in green pastures where it's pleasant and to drink from still waters where you won't fall in and get pulled away. So, and I love it too. And I think it was in this one commentary where it says, God makes you lie down in green pastures. Sometimes you just have to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> he makes you. It's not an option. Think about it. And I know in my own experience, when I don't and I'm rushing and doing and all that, then I end up, I am made. I'm flat out. Okay, I'm just flat out. I can't do a darn thing until I get my thought right. <laughs> I think we've all had that. And then this watch means even more to us. <laughs> it does. It does. And this is why science are suffering. So if you didn't take the science, if you're not slowing down, if you're not listening to God, if you're rushing and poofing and listening to all kinds of negative suggestions, poof, there you are, flat on your back, suffering. Now, science way is not. And why go through the suffering? I got so tired of suffering. Holy crow. Don't take that route. It's not necessary. 
So, all right. Now, some of you have written me things. Shardell, you want to? Oh, is it a lesson? May I say something first? Sure. When we were talking before, right in our lesson, we must realize the ability of mental might. That that does it all. We do have it. We do have it. So I had I didn't say that. Well, thank you. It's very important. We must realize it. That's what you say before you do your watch. Realize it. Yeah. So you know, in in uh, Timothy, uh, we we all are faced with temptation, not just the rich, whoever whoever we are. And it says it gives us clear direction. After well, we're going after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Immediately, I thought of what Mrs. Eddy says about animal handling, animal magnetism. Uh, you, uh, see what it's trying to do. It can't do it, and make sure it isn't done. And you do that with patience, meekness, vigilance, sober, and loving. And that's just from the Bible. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah, and where did you find that? And oh, this was um, it's Clotania. It's Clotania. Okay. Linda will find it. Yeah, Linda. Page. <laughs> but it it is an important one to see because in this world, you know, you'll see things perhaps coming up, and you've got to see that it's what it's trying to do, and know that it cannot do it, and see that it is not done. And last week when I was talking about well both the bloody holidays. I hope someone said they felt while well, they I was saying I, they couldn't see their children or something like that. I hope that you didn't take that, that away with you because that's not what I was saying. I was saying to stay alert and awake during the season and family ties can come, come in pretty strongly and you just have to be awake to it and not get pulled, sucked into it, but to keep it, keep it holy. Give it a holy day, not a holiday, a holy day, whatever you're doing, wherever you go. And again, see what it's trying to do, know that it cannot do it, and then make sure it's not done. Christian science doesn't give us guilt, just gives us accountability. So just be accountable. <laughs> Thank you. No, it never gives us any sense of guilt. It should not. So, um, and along with that, about the mental might that no, the mental might is important to know before you do a watch, but also whole thought steadfastly. Oh, we already did that one. Excuse me. Whatever holds human thought in line with unself love receives directly the divine power. I work with that always before a watch because you are holding your thought in line with unself love. Therefore, you are receiving directly the divine power. Therefore, your watch will be powerful. It's the power of God in it. Are important things to be knowing and not, oh, what can I do among so many? Don't please don't think those things. Or I don't see any evidence of my prayer, so nothing's happening. You don't see any evidence uh-huh. because the news media doesn't want you to see evidence, <laughs> it just wants you to be device divided and miserable. So, by saying such a thing, you're undercutting what you're you, just you are, doing. you're undermining everything. I think you're also looking in the wrong place for the evidence. It doesn't necessarily have to show up in physical, tangible forms, although it may. But if it gives you more love and trust in God, a confidence in good that's greater than it was before, that's evidence. That's very significant evidence. A greater affection for good, that's evidence. So let's look for the right evidence in the right places. And if it's doing it to you, you can be sure it's doing it to others. That was that. Quote, and, and, you know, we don't know where it reaches, um, and, and what good it is doing. We might never know till we reach the pearly gates, as they say, but anyway, but, but it is. Never doubt that. Never doubt it. I mean, Imogen in her testimonies, and that's what she's saying, she knows that our prayers reached her when we were doing all these unity watches years ago. She felt that that's what helped and saved her. And who knows? Who else we are helping and save? So don't, that's a line of the devil to think, oh, I don't, if, you know, the news is terrible, so my watches aren't doing it. Well, thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot. You're just, you're just, phew, goodbye, God. Okay? It's a line of the devil. It would be like 
being in a room filled with four-year-olds trying to play the violin and not <laughs> understanding that, oh, they'll actually get there someday, <laughs> you know. But right now, it's awful. But you can't always look to what's right there. Yes. Just trust. We look up at the loving face of our Father. We stay in the Father's house, and we know everyone else is there as well. And as Florence beautifully said with that daily prayer, and enrich the affections of all mankind and govern them. Very important to be knowing this. It's happening. All right. Um, Nancy, yours was on fight. Is she here fighting the good she fight? She is here. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, day six, twelve. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And I love what Webster, how he, um, his definition of faith is an affectionate, practical confidence in the testimony of God to trust. Uh, it is not a fight against God, but a joining with him against our common enemy. It is a spiritual struggle whereby we stand firm in the truth of God's word and battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and our own self-will. Fighting the good fight of faith is not so much a hostile combat against a physical enemy, but rising to the challenges of our Christian life or confidently taking hold of the eternal life that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Praise God that this is not an evil fight, but a good fight, for the battle has already been won by Christ's victory on the cross, and we are to face all the challenges of life by maintaining an unfaltering faith in him, trusting in his sufficiency to bring us through victoriously. We are to fight the good fight of faith by seizing hold of every opportunity, trusting his all-sufficient grace to bring us through by faith, rather than wilting at the enormity of a problem or caving into the temptation that faces us. When we fight the fight of faith, we are trusting him in all things, and in so doing, we are taking hold of eternal life. Eternal life is not only about living forever in the life to come, but it's about living a victorious life here and now. It is about growing in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and developing a precious intimacy with him as we abide securely in his love. And that was a daily verse commentary on First Timothy. Thank you. You're welcome. You know that, that was something wonderful I learned from Mrs. Evans because she was very feisty, and I wasn't particularly. And and you've got to have that in you when facing false suggestions and other things, facing the organization that's trying to totally wipe you out. She could have just succumbed to all that and. That would have been it. But she was a feisty. She was not going to have it. We've got to have that in us. But Mrs. Eddie also says, do not beat out against the mist, but gently rise above it. So it's, it's a combination. We don't make it a reality when we're getting feisty. But at the same time, we're not going to lie down and let it just roll over us. No, thank you. Not happening. The hell you say. Okay? It's good to have that. And I didn't know that. I didn't know Christian scientists should be feisty. I thought we were supposed to be, you know, loving. <laughs> and feisty didn't seem loving to me. But feisty is loving. Feisty shows you care. Another quote you grabbed, cowardice never conquers. Yes. Cowardice never conquers. That's a beautiful. That's also in Collectania. And, um, yeah, we must always be. Fighting, fight the good fight with all thy might. So we will end today with something I've loved. It's on our website. And, uh, the whole thing? Yep, the whole thing. This is an article by Mildred LeBlond entitled Belief of Invasion. And she writes, Being cannot be invaded now or at any time because all being is God. God cannot and does not invade himself. Nothing can come to any nation but God, and God constitutes all being. Being, which is I and my Father are one, principle and its idea is one, 
is all there is, and there is no other being. This understanding is the all-out to ourselves and to the people of all nations. This knowing is what we all want, and what we must supply by knowing everyone already has all. The all-out to any nation is the understanding which goes forth from mind that all being is whole and complete within itself. Where is this being of activity taking place? Is it over there? Are we working to objectify something in other countries? If so, we are working incorrectly. The demonstration is to be made here in your consciousness and not anywhere else. Evil cannot invade good. Evil cannot invade God. The divine mind needs no defense. As we see that God is the mind of man, we can understand our position at this time. Wherever man is, there is mind. And wherever mind is, there is God. Mind which is infinitely good recognizes no power unlike itself, recognizes no sinning evil man, no war. This determination of mind to be mind is an offensive to the belief in evil. Say many times a day to yourself, where God is, I am, and where I am is the power of God. Where the power of God is, there is no other power, no war, bombing, hatred, or invasion. There is the freedom of infinite being, valiant in its own strength goodness, and power. Period. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.